0: car salesman got a lot more than he bargained for in that test drive didn't he he goes out there expecting just a simple test drive from this seemingly nerdy guy and ends up with a thrill ride one of nascar's most popular drivers jeff gordon when you have a really powerful car like a camaro an experienced driver like jeff gordon you have a lot of potential to scare some car salesman similarly When you have the power of generosity driven by God, you have the power to do some great things. We are in the middle of a sermon series called Generous, where we are looking at how does God want us to live as Christians with the time, the energy, and the money that we have. We have been looking at the example of Jesus and how his entire lifestyle was generous, and he gave us the ultimate gift of his life on the cross. And last week we talked about how we should spend our money. Today we are going to look at a case study of King David, who had a simple request to build God a temple. And he was dedicated to this by giving to it generously. And through examining the story, we're going to see how God took this powerful act of generosity and took the nation on a thrill ride that impacted the entire world. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you are a generous God and that you gave us the example of being generous. Lord, this morning, as we look at how one of your servants, David, lived out this act of generosity, Lord, I pray that you would inspire us to do the same. Lord, I pray right now that you would fill me with your spirit And help me to speak clearly and to speak only your truth. And help our hearts to be open to what you have to say to us so that we can learn from this. Amen. So I want to encourage you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Chronicles chapter 29. But before we do that, we're going to read 1 Samuel chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. Which goes, after the king, which is David, was settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all of his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, here I am, living in, the, in a palace of cedar, while the ark of God remains in a tent. So this happens near the middle of David's life, after he had been just established as king and he's now sitting in his throne, and I see him just kind of walking around his palace and he's examining the woodwork and all the intricate designs of his palace. And I imagine him just sitting there thinking about when he was a boy and he was a shepherd watching the sheep for his father. And he was really the runt of the family. When um, Samuel was led by God to Jesse's house. Jesse is David's dad to find the next king of Israel, Jesse didn't even bother bringing David out. He was the runt of the family. And I imagine David just sitting there thinking about how he had been in that situation as a shepherd and the runt of the family and him then going and fighting Goliath and how God protected him there and how God had brought him and protected him from Saul and had established him as the king of Israel. And David's just thinking about how all the things that God had done for David. And while David's thinking about that, he's like, wow, God, you have brought me from that to this be living and reigning in this beautiful palace. And the Ark of the Covenant, which signifies where you live, it's in a tent. God, that's not right. I want to do something about that. I want to build you a temple. And so he tells the prophet Nathan that. And Nathan's like, yeah, that's a good idea. You should go do it. And then Nathan goes and goes to bed that night and God comes to Nathan in a dream. And the long and the short of it, God denies David's request to build a temple. Instead, he says, David, you're not going to build the temple. I'm going to have your son Solomon do that. Your son is going to build the temple for you. I don't want you to do it. And David, rather than sulk at God's denial or give up on his dream to build the temple, the Bible says in 1 Chronicles chapter 28 that David was led by the Spirit to design the temple. And he started to gather resources for the temple to prepare his son, Solomon, for the actual build. Near the end of, the, on, near the end of David's life, he gathers Solomon and the assembly of all the leaders into a room and has a conversation with him in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Please read along with me as I read verses 1 through 9. Then King David said to the whole assembly, "My son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen. He is young and inexperienced. The task is great. Because this palatial structure is not for men, but for the Lord God. With all my resources I have provided for the temple, gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze and iron for the iron, and wood for the wood, as well as onyx for the settings, turquoise, stones of various colors, and all kinds of fine stone and marbles, all of these in large quantities. Besides that, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of, the, of my God, over and above everything I have provided for this holy temple, 3,000 talents of gold and 7,000 talents of refined silver for the overlaying walls of the building, for the work and the silver work, and for all the work to be done by the craftsmen. Now, who is willing to consecrate himself today to the Lord? Then the leaders of families the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands, and the commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. They gave toward the work on the temple of the Lord 5,000 talents, and 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. All who had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehil. The Gershonite. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced greatly. We see here that David, in fact, did not give up on his dream to build the temple. Even though God said he couldn't actually build it, he is doing a lot of the prep work. And the first way he did that is as king of Israel, he chose to steward the resources of Israel and set aside lots of gold, iron, wood, precious stones, a lot of materials. He set those aside for the temple build. But David doesn't just steward the nation's resources and set them aside. It goes on in verses 3 and 4 to say that Jesus, not Jesus, David gave from his personal treasure. He opened up his wallet and he gave to the temple work his gold, and his personal uh, silver. And by doing this, he shows his commitment to the temple. And by doing that, he inspires the rest of the nation to follow in his footsteps and to give generously. In verses 6 through 8, it starts talking about all the different leaders that gave. It says the leaders of families. So, households were giving the officers of the tribes of israel there were 12 tribes and the leader of each tribe was giving commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds and the officers in charge of the king's work so we see here that all the way down from just individual households up to some of the big leaders in israel all the way to some of the people serving in david's court Everyone gave toward the work of the temple. The entire nation came together and was inspired by David's act of generosity. And they all got together and gave. And we see that by David honoring God, by sticking with his desire to worship God through the building of this temple, the entire nation is brought together in a mutual cause to build this temple. David's generosity is contagious, and it really excites the entire nation. And when I think about that, I can't help but think about how here at Freedons, we have an event in September called Forever Families, where we do a run walk, we do a silent auction, all for the cause of helping children be adopted. And it's really encouraging to me to see the generosity of people, both in the church church, and from companies all around the city. It's really cool to see how many people gather together and get united on the cause for forever families. And it's a really exciting time, and I'm really encouraged on our Super Saturday in September. It's just a really cool time. And I know that a lot of people get excited about that. And it's that kind of excitement that was going on in the nation of Israel during this time. And I see at the end of verse 9, it says that David himself rejoiced greatly. It's really exciting when you're passionate about a cause. And a lot of other people get on board and start helping you with that. It's really exciting. And I can't even imagine the jubilation that is going through David's mind as all this is taking place. And in the middle of this joy and celebration in David... He takes time to pray and to praise God for what he's done. Let's read on in verses 10 through 17. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, praise to you, O God, O Lord, God of our forever, our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom, and you are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks, and we praise your glorious name. But who am I, and who are my people, that we should be able to give As generously as this. Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what your hand has given us. We are aliens and strangers in your sight, as were all our forefathers. In our days on earth, we are like a shadow without hope. O Lord our God, as for all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name, it comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and you are pleased with integrity. All these things I, had, I have given willingly with an honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. So David, in this psalm, takes time to praise God as the provider of everything. First, he talks about how everything on heaven and earth belongs to God and that God has given wealth and honor to the people. He says, you have given us strength and power. And because of that, God, we want to give you thanks for all of that. David is taking the time, first of all, to show gratitude to God. And he doesn't just say, God, you've given us all these things. But he goes beyond that and says, God, even our ability to give back to you is from you. We can't give you anything that you haven't first given to us. Everything we have, everything we are, it came from you. It belongs to you anyway. I think David is recognizing and affirming here that the nation is God's chosen people. And I think... This term, God's chosen people, is a little misleading because God didn't just have like like a bunch of nations out there. He was like, "Hmm, I want to choose one," so He picks one. When God did that, the nation of Israel was two people in their 90s who didn't have any children. God didn't just choose the nation of Israel. God supernaturally created the nation of Israel by enabling those two people to have children. And then throughout their entire history, God was with them, protecting them, sustaining them. In Egypt, doing all the plagues to bring them out, he sustained them in the wilderness and helped them to grow into a mass of people. And through David and the judges before him brought the nation into their land, and now had just established a kingdom for them. David is recognizing that, hey, God has done so much for us. He has brought us from literally nothing to where we are now as a nation. And we need to remember that. And we need to focus on that as we move forward as a nation. And we need to keep God as the center of our culture and build this temple. And I think remembering that everything comes from God and being grateful is really, really important. Because, I don't know about you, but my heart likes to forget and chase idols. False gods that provide nothing. And we... When we remember that it is God who gives to us and not idols, we can grow in generosity. Idols cause us to focus on ourselves and to be greedy, whereas God encourages us to think of others. And when we think of others, we live generously. But I think that gratitude and generosity go hand-in-hand hand, kind of like an engine and a transmission on a car in that opening video you saw a Camaro Camaros have has a pretty good engine it has a 6.1 liter V8 that's pushing out 422 bull horsepower ladies that means it's really fast but without a transmission all that power is wasted a transmission slows down the rotation speed of the engine and creates torque and torque is really really important as we see from this commercial all right, if you're thinking about getting a new truck, you're probably thinking about fuel economy. Well, you're going to want some torque to go with it. Because unless you're using your truck to deliver pizzas, you ain't getting anything done without it. Torque is power. It pulls trailers, hauls dirt, drags boulders. Torque is what gets the cap off your beer. And only the Ford F-150 with EcoBoost has the best combination of torque and fuel economy. Think about that. This is the 2013 Ford F-150. So you saw from that commercial that a transmission takes the raw power of the engine and creates turning power, torque. Torque is really important because without it, it would be very hard to move the vehicle, much less boulders or haul dirt. A torque takes the raw power of the engine and makes it usable for the vehicle to do good things, right? You've all ridden a bike before probably and without a transmission, it'd be like taking a a 21-speed bike and putting it on its 21st gear and trying to get it going from stop. It'd be really, really hard. You'd have to push very hard. It would not be good. It's much easier if you downshift and that creates torque, allowing you to propel the bike forward. Torque is that really important thing. It's turning power that gives the engine the ability to actually do work I think gratitude is a lot like an engine it carries a lot of raw power and there's a lot of good from being grateful but the problem is without generosity just like the engine it's not very good by itself I think about this past week we had thanksgiving and I wonder how many people in our country sat down ate their turkey and their mashed potatoes, said a couple prayers of thanks, and then dashed out the door to go shopping and invest in greed. And I'm not saying it's wrong to go shopping or even take advantage of the good prices on Good Friday. We did. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But my point is that I think we can sometimes get into this habit, especially in our culture, um, where we have a lot of material blessings, where we can have a genuine... Um, form of gratitude where we thank God for him, but we don't allow it to actually change the way that we live and the way that we act. And that is where generosity comes in. Generosity takes the attitude of gratitude and t- turns it into an action. It takes the thankfulness that you have for what God has done and allows you to actually live it out. And I think when you take gratitude and generosity and put them together it allows us the heart to be turned it's got that turning power and we see that in david's life in verse 17 of first chronicles 29 you see david when he wasn't just grateful to god he actually gave from his personal treasury but he didn't just give to look good He gave with integrity of heart. His heart was grateful and his actions were generous. The two went hand in hand and the combination of these two, gratitude and generosity, created a lot of turning power for the nation of Israel. It caused the nation to turn from their egos and their greed and it help them to give themselves to this temple. And I think when we have a heart that is grateful and actions that are generous, it has power in our lives too. It helps us to turn away from our selfishness and our greed and to release all of that and to trust God that he has provided for us in the past. He's going to continue providing for us in the future so we can freely give and we can share The things that God has given us with others and create turning power in the people around us. And I think that wanting to turn the people toward God was why David wanted to build the temple for God. He wanted to set it as a center of the culture, as an atmosphere for worship. And that is his prayer request as we read on in verses 18 through 20. David says, O Lord, God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep this desire in the hearts of our people forever, and keep their hearts loyal to you. Please give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, your requirements, and your decrees, and to do everything to build the palatial structure for which I have provided. Then David said to the whole assembly, Praise the Lord your God. So they all praised the Lord, the God of their fathers. They bowed low and they fell prostrate before the Lord and the king. So I find this kind of funny because immediately after David is done thanking God, God, thank you for giving us everything. He says, hey, God, can you give me something else? Which I thought that was kind of funny at first, but the more I thought about it, David can't get enough. And I think the thing that you can't get enough of can be a great indicator of what you worship. If you can never get enough money, that might indicate that you worship money. If you can't get enough time on your hobbies, that might indicate that your hobbies are too high of a priority in your life. David, in his request, is showing that the thing that he can't get enough of is God. And David wants this attitude of generosity and the people setting God as a priority and showing it through the giving of their possessions. David wants that to continue in this nation. He wants to see them to keep their hearts loyal to God and his desire for his son Solomon to follow God and to finish the temple so that the worship of God can remain the center of this nation's culture. And the cool thing here is that David chose to invest his earthly gold and his earthly silver and invest in something with eternal heavenly value he invested in the future and god takes david's simple plan to build a temple to house the ark of the covenant and he made it into an eternal blessing that you and i enjoy now and i think that's similar to how when you have a car like that camaro there's a lot of power in that car and it can do some cool things and when you take somebody like jeff gordon and put him behind the wheel That car can do some really, really cool things because Jeff Gordon knows how to make the most use out of that car. In the same way, God knows how to make the most use of our generosity. And that's what he does here. I think God did the most brilliant thing in telling David, No, I'm not going to let you build the temple. I want your son Solomon to do it. Because here's what I think would have happened. David is this great, renowned, respected leader, conquering the Philippines, killing Goliath, doing all these great things, and the nation really held him in high esteem. And if David would have also built the temple, and Solomon didn't, I think it would have left Solomon living in his father's shadow. And that would have been really difficult to establish himself. And I think by allowing Solomon to build the temple, David, God firmly established David's kingdom and his lineage for a long time. And it allowed Solomon to really get established as the leader of Israel. And it kept Solomon focused on the things that he should in the very next chapter, Second Chronicles chapter 1, when Solomon is feeling overwhelmed with the ruling of the nation and the building of the temple, God comes to him and says, Solomon, I will give you any one thing that you ask for. And instead of choosing greed, Solomon says, God, I have this huge project and all this stuff that I'm working on. God, I need wisdom. And the Bible says that God is pleased with his answer. And I think God saying no to David and giving the job to Solomon to build the temple was a key in Solomon's asking for wisdom instead of wealth or popularity or or any of that. And so God took David's simple desire to build a temple and used it to build Solomon up. But he took it even further. In Luke chapter 2, a couple thousand years later, a woman and her husband bring a little baby who's eight days old into the temple to dedicate him. And 30 years later, that man hung up on a cross and out of the words, it is finished. And inside the temple where a room symbolizing God's presence was kept off from the rest of the world by a a ginormous curtain. When Jesus uttered those words, that curtain was torn in two. And God is now able, through what Jesus did on the cross, a descendant of David. We now have the ability to have in eternal relationship with God have our sins forgiven and our hearts turned from our old ways of sin and greed to following Christ and being generous with our lives wanting to grow in our ability to be generous we can ask ourselves these three questions first of all what acts of generosity inspire me We talked about how Jesus gave his life and how that should he should be the leader inspiring us to to grow. But I think there can also be times when people around us give generously that inspire us to want to give freely. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about time, energy, other things. We can be generous with a lot of things. Question two, what areas of my life am I maybe being grateful? I'm thankful for what I have but I'm not being generous. And question three, are there any idols in my life that are hindering my ability to be generous? Because of Jesus and what David did in the temple, we have a lot of reasons to be grateful as followers of Christ. Everything we are and everything we have is supplied by God in a way that we don't deserve. Our prayer during this service and during this sermon series, is that you will be inspired to live generously as a response. And that if you use the power of gratitude and generosity and allow God to drive, that he would do great things through you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful for King David. And that you inspired him with your spirit to not give up on his dream to build the temple and how you use that act of generosity of him giving from his personal treasures and stewarding the nation's resources to establish your name and that you took David's dream and made so much more out of it so that we 3,000 years later can know you and can live differently because of you Lord, I pray that our hearts would be turned toward you and that you would be the God that we serve with our lips, with our hearts, and with our pocketbooks. Amen.